Captain William Todd, a U.S. Navy retired, is author of the book, From CO to CEO, A Practical Guide for Transitioning from Military to Industry Leadership. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Navy Federal's employees are veterans and military spouses, so they're part of the community they serve and they understand their members better than anyone. Learn more about how Navy Federal is celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. All right, today we're talking with Navy veteran Bill Toady, author of CO to CEO. Bill, thanks for being here today. I'd like to kick it off by taking us back and tell us about your long and successful career in the Navy. Thanks, Joe. Um, Well, it was long. I'm not sure how successful it was. But I started at Annapolis, uh, class of 1979, which means I'm old, right? And so I did... Um, my intent was to go into the astronaut program and I was nominated in 87, but didn't get past the physical, unfortunately. Uh So I was a submariner, stayed in submariner. I was actually the first submariner to be nominated for astronaut. Now we've got submariners on space stations, submariners going to the moon. So I kind of think I take some pride in being the spearhead of that entire uh, movement, but, um, spent 26 years on active duty, um, served as commanding officer of USS Indianapolis, the Los Angeles class submarine, then later as Commodore of um, the Los Angeles submarines in Pearl Harbor. So I had a wonderful time in the Navy, um, but made a decision to get out when I did because I wanted to transition out of the Navy and industry young enough to have a viable full second career. And, you know, if you stay in until your 50s, it's really hard to convince a company to invest in you. Yeah. So made that transition in my mid forties and, and it was exactly the right move for me. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about your transition. Did you plan well in advance of what you were planning on doing and did it go as, as you had planned? So the, I would say that the only thing that went as planned was the timing of the transition. <laughs> and, you know, I was right that um, if you get to a certain and now companies are not allowed to talk about age, right? It's, sure. it's a protected trait. But what they're allowed to talk about is runway. How much time do you have left in your viable career <laughs> to contribute back to the company and return the investment that they you want them to make in you? Mm-hmm. And so that bit of my transition planning went just as I hoped it would. But to a large extent, um, much of my, first of all, much of what I was told in my transition courses turned out to be just flat out wrong. And I talk a lot about that in the book. Um, You know, the good news is that I transitioned to a company um, and we very quickly determined that there wasn't a good fit between what I was being hired to do and what I was capable of doing. I was hired into a profit and loss position, which is what I wanted to do, but I didn't actually have the requisite skills to perform in that profit and loss position. Now the company could have given up on me and said, you know what, this is, this was a mistake. And for some reason, I'm very grateful. They decided, okay, now we, we've got it you know, disconnect here. Let's correct that. Mm 
and let's make sure you get the training you need to be able to perform adequately in this position. And, and they provided me that training. I gobbled it up. I was really eager to learn. And, um, and that really helped jumpstart my civilian career. Yeah. So we talk a lot about on the show about the difference between soft skills and hard skills and soft skills are th- you know, things like leadership and motivation mm-hmm. and mission accomplishment, attitude, those kinds of things that you, you learn a lot, you know, military probably does better at teaching people that than m- most anything else. Um, but there's also those hard skills, the, the MBA, the CPA, the Six Sigma, mm-hmm. um, you know, learning, knowing how to run a budget and working yeah. financial spreadsheets and those kinds of things. So can you talk some about how they probably hired you for those strengths in your soft skills, but you were completely missing the hard skills? Because it sounds like what happened was they recognized your leadership ability, but you were missing some of those requisite hard skills and they were able to give those to you in a short amount of time. So th- you've got it exactly right, Joe. What I'll say, though, is even on the soft skill side, the leadership side, there were elements that I just didn't quite get um, early on. And, you know, one of my the things I decided to do when I transitioned was I transitioned as a Navy captain, Army colonel, Marine colonel, um, you know, for you. Um, but I decided to take the attitude that I was an ensign all over again, second lieutenant, yeah. that I was entering this industry. I didn't know what it would take to succeed in my new environment. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to recalibrate my brain, you know, eliminate any, um, you know, I would say pride that goes along with having served in a major command in the military. And so my first test there was when the company decided that it might be a good idea to go to a business leadership course. And I was at first agitated. What the heck do you mean business leader? You want me to learn leadership? I've been a major commander in the Navy. I've led Uh thousands of sailors. And you want me to go to this course alongside these, what, 30-year-olds? But I decided to swallow my pride, lower my level of agitation and say, okay, if you think this would be a good thing for me, I'm happy to do it. And in fact, what it was about was creating a business vision and communicating that business vision. It wasn't leadership in the soft core skill sense that we would anticipate being from the military. And all of those courses provided great value. And so that was a lesson to me, right? Don't assume you know more than you do. Mm -hmm. And the second thing that became very apparent to me about these soft skills was that the, um, you know, and, and I started telling my folks on active duty, you know, leadership is hard, but it's, re- but it's harder when you're leading people who can actually quit. <laughs> because I saw too many transitioning military leaders not figure that out and lead using the same methods that they would have used on active duty. And guess what? They don't work for that 26-year-old engineer college graduate. And suddenly you find people that are kind of abandoning, abandoning the ship. And, um, and of course, when that happens, you get your entire um, credibility is, is thrown out the window. If you're such a great leader from the military, why are people quitting? 
you know, why are your workers, your employees, why are they leaving, right? Mm -hmm. You must not be as good as you think you are after all. And the third thing I learned on the soft skill side was one of my first asks, one of the first things they asked me to do when I took this PL position was to actually fire an employee who was a retired Air Force One star. And I said, okay, you're asking me to do this. He doesn't work for me. Now, it's kind of a test um, whether I would actually do it, I think. Um, why, are, why are we letting him go? And the, um, and the HR professional who was assigning me this task said, well, he's a command and control leader. And that expression really confused me. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Command and control, that's a really good thing. In the military, you want command and control. Yeah. And it turns out human resources over the years picked up this military term and morphed it into something completely different. And when the HR professionals talk about command and control, they talk about a former military leader who tends to bark out commands and exercise complete control. And in industry, of course, those methods don't work. Mm -hmm. And so they gave this one-star employee, former one-star employee, time to try to adapt his his methods. And, And when he failed to do so, there's an old saying, if you can't change the people, then change the people. If you can't change <laughs> yeah. their behaviors, then change them out. Right. And so it was time to change this person. So again, that's it's a military leadership trait that didn't fit in the in the, in the industry. And so there were, what I learned was even on the soft skills side, I needed to adapt and make some adjustments to my methods. The hard skills, you got it exactly right. I, you know, even, and I've learned over the course of my industry career leading to my job as CEO, even people who work in the program management field in government don't come to industry with the program management skills they need to succeed. And so if you're going to go into a P&L position, you're not going to have the management of finance skills you're going to need. You're not going to have the engineering development you know, oversight skills you're going to need. You're not going to have the program execution, um, you know, skills, cost schedule budget skills you're going to need. Mm -hmm. And so the government does not train civilians or active duty people in any way. And I wasn't an acquisition guy. I was an operator in, in the Navy. But even if you are an acquisition guy in the military, guy or gal in the military, don't assume you're going to come into industry with the skills you know, hard skills you're going to need to succeed because you likely won't. All right. Hold that thought. We're going to be right back. Take a quick break. As a 32 year member of Navy federal, I can verify that Navy federal gets the military. May is military appreciation month and no one appreciates the military more than Navy federal. Navy federal credit union wants to thank the men and women in the U S military for their important commitment to our country. Members can enjoy an average earnings and savings of $352 per year a savings rate three times the industry average, an average credit card APR 5% lower than the industry average, award-winning 24-7 stateside member services, over 350 branches worldwide. Show your own support for our troops with hashtag Mission Military Thanks. Learn more about how Navy Federal is celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at navyfederal.org slash celebrate. Insured by NCUA. Dollar value represents the results of the 2020 Navy Federal Member Give Back Study, Value claim based on Navy Federal's 2020 member giveback study. Credit card value claim based on 2020 Navy Federal as low as APR averages compared to 
advertising industry APR averages as of December 31st, 2020, published on creditcards.com. All right, back talking with Navy veteran Bill Toady, author of CO to CEO. So, Bill, um, before the break, we are talking about a lot of military folks struggle with hard skills, and sometimes even they have to adjust their, their soft skills to a certain extent. And during the break, you and I were talking that you saw military veterans uh, having these adjustment issues over and over. Which So why is it you ended up writing the book? Yeah, so... The subtitle of the book is from CEO to CEO, but the subtitle is a practical guide for transitioning from military to industry leadership. And the focus is on the practical guide. Over the course of my 15 years in industry leading to my job as CEO, I saw military veterans make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Transitioning out of the military is stressful enough as it is. And you know, I, I said that when I transitioned, you know, everybody's given this transition assistance training by the military. What I didn't realize is the folks giving those training, that training really don't know what they're talking about. They, they, if they were successful in industry, in business executive positions, business leadership positions, they won't, probably wouldn't be teaching these transition assistance courses. Mm-hmm. And so what, they, what happens is they get, the, the military gets somebody to write these curriculum, curricula for the courses. And then they have people teach who've never really done the stuff that they're teaching about. Mm -hmm. And so when I was, for example, when I was transitioning, uh, you know, I was told what I refer to in the book as the great lie. And the great lie is all your future employer wants from you is good leadership. And it's very reassuring because you say, well, I've got that. Everybody who transitions out of the military thinks, well, I have the one thing that my future employer is looking for. Mm-hmm. Great, good leadership. And of course, as we've already discussed, maybe the form of leadership used in the military isn't going to work in your industry job. But beyond that, that's not even true on active duty. And it's like if I'd given it 15 seconds of thought, is it, is it true that even in the military, is it true that all you need is good leadership? You were a Cobra pilot. Would leadership have gotten you through flying that helicopter? I was a submariner. If all you need is good leadership, they should be able to take a B-52 wing commander, put him on a submarine, and he'd do just fine. But of course, in the military, we know that's ridiculous. Why would we think that it's any less ridiculous in industry? And it's not. It's, It's true in industry, too. Good leadership is good. You definitely want that, but it's a, a long way from all your future employers looking for. And what I refer to in the book is the thing that they want the most from you is uh, informed passion to learn. So that's, and I cre- craft that very carefully informed because you've got all of this experience you're taking from your active duty years mm-hmm. and, and you can't forget that information, that knowledge. They want that. That's why they're hiring you because you have something that they need. Passion, just like in the military, industry wants people to join with fire in their belly, with real energy and enthusiasm. And, you know, in the military, we, we, we do what we call driving through the suck, right? And, yeah. and it's, it's probably reasonable for the, your future employer in industry to assume that you know how to drive through the suck and you're going to do just fine from a passion standpoint. And the last part of that is to learn. 
because they know that you're going to come into the job not knowing the things you need to know to succeed. And so you need to demonstrate that in the past, in your previous assignments, you've over and over again been put in situations where you had to learn how to succeed. And, and they're going to want that from you when you transition. And so that's that turns out to be the one thing they really want from you, the informed passion to learn. Good leadership, sure, but it's way far from the only thing they need, nor does it save you if you don't learn what you need to learn to succeed in your future job. Yeah, and <clears throat> honestly, I think most people's military career, you, you kind of go, th- go through these up and down cycles where you're the most senior corporal or the most senior lieutenant mm-hmm. or the most senior commander. And then when you go to the next level, boom, you drop back down to the junior guy again and you start working your way up, start right. working your way up again. It's, so in the military, you get every time you change commands or do a PCS, we get used to, we, you kind of develop a philosophy of starting over all the time because mm-hmm. you're going from job to job and base or station and post to post. And a proper military career has probably developed you in many ways to actually have an informed passion to learn. And if you properly take that into the civilian world, then it's going to work for you. You almost have to look at it as another PCS. I'm back. Cause even as a, you know, as, as a submariner, now all of a sudden you're in the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different world. Exactly. My weapon is PowerPoint. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. PowerPoint masters in doctorate in PowerPoint. Um, exactly. So military folks do experience that a lot throughout their career typically. Um, but I think sometimes when they go into the civilian sector, sometimes that doesn't extrapolate out that, Oh, I'm back to the beginning again. And now I've got to have that informed passion to learn. So can you go into a little more detail about like, how long did it take you to see enough examples of this and acquire enough knowledge to figure out? Cause I've never heard that term informed passion mm-hmm. to learn. Um, I think you're definitely onto something. So how long did it take you to arrive at that, um, you know, that light bulb moment? Yeah, maybe a decade. Um, <laughs> really? you know, honestly, you know, then that's a set. Then that's why I say read the book because it's it's an amalgamation of 15 years of lessons through my CEO position, right? And as I say, as, as we all know, transitioning from the military is stressful enough as it is. The people that fail quickly are the ones who come in with the attitude that, wait, you you industry guys, I know way more about this stuff than you do. So I was an anti-submarine warfare expert specialist in the Navy. In fact, I led the Navy's doctrine for anti-submarine warfare in my final active duty assignment. I was the guy for for ASW doctrine. And I went into a job that had ASW in its portfolio because we did ASW aircraft um, stuff. And I could have gone into that job saying, you, you people, you know nothing about yeah. anti-submarine warfare. I've forgotten more about ASW than you, you'll ever learn. And that might have been true, but the attitude would have really gotten me in trouble because while that might have been true, there is a whole lot about the industry side of being successful that I knew nothing about. So when I said, I'm going to go in with the attitude, I'm an ensign all over again, and I did that from the beginning, 
that really saved me from some very embarrassing potential screw-ups where, you know, I could have, um, you know, kind of stubbed my toe on saying something stupid as it was pertained to how to develop an ASW program or capability as opposed to the use of ASW systems, which I did know a lot about. So, you know, that's one example, but there there are other examples of people failing in industry due to um, arrogance or an assumption that they knew more about the new environment than they really did, or, um, you know, lack of realization that, um, that that 20, that, that 30 something year old, there's, there's no such thing as a lineal number or promotion by progression in industry. And that 30 something that you just pissed off next year can be, can actually become your boss. And you, you forget it. You didn't figure that out quick enough. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen. And in fact, when I was promoted to vice president in my first company, and this was one of the kind of the epiphany light bulb uh, moment for me, you know, I was promoted probably over 20,000 employees in that company that were senior to me. Right. And, but somebody decided, you know what, he's got the experience, he's learned quickly, you know, and so he's developed, a, a, you know, demonstrated ability to, to, to pro- perform at the next level. He's ready. And it had nothing to do with how long I'd been in the company or my age it had only to do with performance. And I can't tell you how liberating that was, right. To realize that right. I don't have to wait my turn. There's no Senate confirmation required. <laughs> as soon as there's an opening and they think I'm ready for it, I'm going to get promoted. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, and we call ourselves in the military, we call the military the greatest meritocracy in the world. But if you have to wait to get promoted to lieutenant colonel behind some other guy, just because he's been in the Marine Corps longer than you, right. that's not a meritocracy. That's a bureaucracy. And in industry, oh, it's yeah. not that way. And so it was wonderfully liberating once I figured all this stuff out. But there's a whole bunch of things it took me, I would say, a decade to figure out. And all of those lessons are in the book. You know, um, especially in the defense industry, everyone comes out of the military, it's easy to roll into some defense type contractor job. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, one of the things that I didn't really want to be a part of it, I, I had other options anyways, but one thing that like, it's like, Oh, everybody immediately knows what you did in the military, what your rank was and mm-hmm. all, everyone kind of falls back into line of how the, how the rank structure was when you're in the military and it's uncomfortable for some people to get past that. And, and, mm-hmm. and the defense industry can foster that because everybody, so many people in the defense industry come out, come from the military. They take, they, some people want to take their rank into the military so, mm-hmm. or from the military. They want to take their rank into industry. Some people don't, <clears throat> some people still look at other people by whatever rank they retired at or got out at. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes people can stay trapped in that structured concept. Well, but and you got to be careful about that because again, oh, yeah. I left the Navy as an 06 as a captain. Um, over the course of my industry career, I've had probably 30 or 40 generals and admirals work for me, mm-hmm. in, including several three stars. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the, you know, and one of the things I advise against in the book is 
in, in any in any way at all wearing your rank once you make that transition or making it seem like you're aware of your rank. And I advise even generals and admirals, when you make that transition, have people call you by your first name. It's really important, right? It, it brings, it makes it clear to all of your civilian employees that uh, you don't think you're better than they are. And, you know, and you, you make a valid point about the defense industry, but again, even in the defense industry, less than 10% are veterans. 10, less than 10%. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow, I you, got that wrong. Holy cow. Just think about all the engineers, all the oh, finance yeah. people, all the contracts people, all the HR people, most of the PL people, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of defense companies who believe you can't serve a complete career in the military transition and learn PL skills quickly enough to contribute at a significant, substantial level as a PL leader. Um, I'm an exception in that regard, and I'm happy that I'm an exception because I was promoted a president of a of a defense company and then later CEO. But that's rare. So again, the, in even large companies, and you can you can name them, right? Large defense companies, the CEOs are almost never veterans, but they do like to have their stable of admirals and generals at their beck and call, right, to, to sure. kind of show off um, to their government friends when they go to the Pentagon and try to sell one of their programs. Yes. And they bring their former four-star with them into the, to do that. Um, there's limits on, on how generals and admirals are allowed to participate in government activities sure. in recent years um, with some law changes. But, um, but again, there's, you're still going to be a minority as a veteran even in a defense company. So don't assume you're going to have a large cadre of like-minded people to kind of um, share your sad stories with, because you may not. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Um, all right, so how do we find your book? Oh, well, it's pretty much everywhere, right? So, of course, um, CEO to CEO, Practical Guide for Transitioning from Military to Industry Leadership and the Focus on Leadership. And it's at Amazon, it's at Barnes and Nobles and, you know, all the major bookstores. And um, I really hope the, the word gets out again. And I didn't do this to make money. I'm never going to make money on this book. I really did do it because I've seen so many veterans fail over the past 15 years and, in ways that I hope the book can help prevent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, getting close to the end of our time. So can you hit on a couple of really key points. I mean, the big one, the big one is, you know, that, uh, informed passion to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge. And I, I've not, not heard that concept and it's, it's, uh, I think well, it's spot on. Well, I invented it while I was writing the book. Actually, yeah. it just came yeah. to me. I mean, that's, um, it's right. When I tried to figure out what, what exactly is going to allow somebody to succeed. And, and that kind of coalesced for me. Yeah. So, can you talk about a couple more key points as far as in the, whether you're talking to somebody getting out after four years or someone retiring after 30 mm-hmm. plus years, what are some of the other key concepts to transition along the lines of making sure they foster that informed passion to learn? Well, I did, you know, I do a lot of coaching of military, uh, particularly officers who are transitioning. Mm-hmm. And I get a common question among junior officers. Is it better for me to transition 
you know, as a junior officer, is it better for me to do a full career in the military? And I get, I do give some advice in that. And, you know, you'll have less, fewer years to build your peak earning um, potential if you transition after a full career in the military. However, you may be able to transition into a more senior position after a full career. And I give examples of the fact that there are people that I've run across in my industry career who did transition after one junior officer tour in the military. And 30 years later, they're pretty much doing the exact same job they were doing when they first transitioned. And then there are others who transitioned as colonels and captains or, and, and, you know, within a few years find themselves as vice presidents or, you know, even better than that. So there's no one answer. It depends on a lot of factors. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, if you take the transition course, they're going to talk to you a lot about what it is you want to do when you get out. And in the book, I tell you, that's the wrong question. They ask you the wrong question. That's one of the many failures of military transition training. The right question is, what do you want to be doing in 10 years? Mm. Not what do you want to do when you get out? Yeah. And so I help you frame that and focus, you know, your 10-year objectives and then help you think about what kind of job, first job after you get out, is most likely to get you where you want to be in 10 years. And so that's the way to frame it. Uh, I also talk about compensation and common mistakes that transitioning people make about compensation. I talk about how I was given really stupid advice on how to prepare my resume and and what the right advice is, how to negotiate, how to interview. So it covers everything. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll put some links to the, uh, to the book and show notes and uh, appreciate you telling your, uh, your successful transition story, Bill, um, a lot of good information and, uh, have to check out your book, uh, CO to CEO. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. These two veterans Take are care. Oscar Mike. Yep. Thank you for listening to veteran on the move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.